Now she is, Captain. Isn't she a beauty? Yes, she is, Mr. Scott. Is she ready to go? Aisa. She's ready to go to the stars. This is the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. It's mission to seek out new ideas, find new games, and to boldly bring the awesome to your game. Mr. Scott, Warp 9. I Captain. And now, our host. This is Bruce. This is John. This is Trav. Welcome to the TriTac Games Podcast. Your podcast of being so long lived that you actually were able to see everybody opening night in concert. I remember discovering soup. Dirt whippersnapper. Welcome to the TriTac Games Podcast. We are this week uh, kind of doing a twofer. Uh, we are talking about the uh, advantages and disadvantages of being long-lived, uh, as in like immortal, okay, and also some of the issues that come up with time travel, because in a lot of ways they're the same. You have joined the most secret government agency that you have never heard of, the 13th Bureau of Justice, otherwise known as Bureau 13. You are a government agent charged with the duty of disposing of the greatest unnatural threats to the people and the, and the economy of the United States and Canada. You will work under the knowledge that you are funded by an organization so secret, even the highest government officials do not know of your existence. Welcome to the elite band of people who wander the dark streets of the night, ever searching for the horrors that should not exist in this modern age. You are a special agent, stalking the night fantastic. Hero 13 is a Gen Con award-winning RPG of modern horror and paranormal adventure. It's available from Tritech Games at TritechGames.com in both the original editions and in the D20 edition, with a new Savage Worlds edition coming soon. Remember that wherever the supernatural waits, good and evil, the agents of Hero 13 will be there. But the evil is growing. There is no good healthcare. Whatever you're used to, it's bad now if you're going into the past. Maybe if you go into the future with time travel, that would be a good thing. But if you go to the past, no matter what you do, where you go, the healthcare is gonna suck. Well, yeah, yeah even the concept of bathing, they didn't they didn't like you said earlier, the mortality. It's like medicine, they never washed their hands. Why do you think there was the old myth of the oh Saturday night, time to take my weekly bath? And a lot of times, in some cultures, it's like, no, if you bathe, you, you, what was the term? The, you wash the humors away or whatever, something like that. that you, if, if you bathe, you would remove something useful, or at least that was the thought. That is a bit of a myth, because when I mean, you look at the actual cultures that they uh, uh, sign them to, they, they're routinely d jumping jumping into rivers and so forth and swimming and basically doing equivalent of bathing. Yeah. You know, 
Yeah, it's it's more of a myth. They say, "Oh, look how stupid they were in the past." It's, no, they bathed. This maybe not as regular. You're right. Maybe once, maybe once a week, but still, you know. Yeah, but a lot of those cultures either a thought that bloodletting would get the bad humors out of you, and uh, and that would make you better, or they said, "Hey, let's take this nice poo compress and put it over the the owie, and that'll draw out all the bad stuff too." Yeah, yeah. yeah. But also, you had a concussion. You had a concussion. You had an injury to your brain. There's pressure, and they would trepan your skull. Yeah, yeah. And they survived. Every one of those people survived. I remember. I don't know if you guys remember the old, and you probably would. The old late seventies, early eighties series Voyagers. Yep. Yeah, Mino Pellucci and John Eric Hexum. They went back in time and Robin Hood was injured. So you had Jeffrey Jones, the young modern kid, teaching about boiling the water, cleaning the wound. He's trying to explain bacteria. And there's Friar Tuck talking about well, we don't see these creatures. How do you know that they're there? And it's just, I remember that scene whenever I think about bad health care in the past because, yeah, you're trying to explain to somebody that there's something smaller than the human eye can see that is attacking your body and making you sick. They're going to look at you. And, and Friar Tuck did basically say, what are you, some type of sorcerer or witch or something? Because he was a monk. Yeah. And just, yeah, you, a lot of the things that we take for granted today Again, even a hundred years ago, they would just look at you like you were insane. Yeah, and and a lot, mo- a lot of these bad uh, medical practices were being done because they thought they were good. Uh, if you want to really watch a movie that shows you just an unbelievable amount of this, is to go and uh, go watch the Road to Wellville. Road to Wellville, yes. That to me, I just I just sat there with my jaw hanging out at all the quack, patent me, you know medications and such that were being used. And none of it, none of it is fictionalized. This was the brother of the guy who made cornflakes, Kellogg like, from Battle Creek, folks. And like I said, none of the things are fictionalized. Those are what they actually did. And my of course, no favorite, one- my favorite line from that movie. Go get me the 15 gallons of yogurt. I can't eat 15 gallons of yogurt. Oh, no, my boy. That's not the end it's going in. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, there's others. And Matthew Broderick. Oh, man. Yeah. But there, but there are treatments that did work, though. You know, uh, medical grubs, uh, you know, medical grubs eating in wounds. They've been around for thousands of years. And they. Oh, yeah. They're using that today. There's. There, yeah. you play- John, even a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. <laughs> True, and and there and but you know there are a lot there are a lot of treatments like you know make a tea you know you got a headache make a tea from the bark of the willow. Now there's a bunch of other chemicals in there you don't want besides the uh, the um, acetic was it acetic acetic acid. Yeah, but it would work. You'd cure most most common not not migraines but most common headaches. Uh, you know, for people or, or aches and pains, and it's kind of a lot. Of herbal medicine kind of worked. It's just that 
But the problem was, but this, it's the same problem as it is today. There's, you know, is that there was, they didn't have any means of determining dosage or or purity or any of those things. So it basically came down to a really seasoned medical professional literally sitting on your chest and what, giving you stuff. Okay, give them a little more. Oh, that's too much. You know, let's, let's make them throw up now. It, it just... <clears throat> I mean, you might survive. You know, they might actually do you some good because it was all, you know, very much uh, not hit or miss, but it was kind of like, you know, constant judgment in there. And, and you just, like I said, if you were lucky enough to have a really good practitioner, you might actually get something close to what you'd consider to be healthcare, but nothing, nothing even close to the, the kind of, confidence that you would have in getting health care in anything past 1950. And the thing is, though, it's worse if you're wealthy. This, this, I'm reminded of the first emperor of China, who probably would have lived another 10, year, 10 20 years if it hadn't been for his uh, special youth, youth elixir, which was made from mercury. Oh. <laughs> in fact, they use so much mercury... They know, they know no one's actually broken into his tomb because they, they, they're finding mercury at the surface. Uh, something that's actually probably even more horrific to, to Americans is read the, the account of George Washington's death. Oh, yeah. It was his doctors who killed him. His doctors literally killed him. Bled him to death. He would have been alive probably... Another 10, 20 years if it hadn't been for his doctors. Yeah. And, 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 and as he's dying, he's laying there, he's call, he basically calls them over and thanks his doctors for all their efforts on his behalf when they've done so many terrible things to him during that. And we as modern day people reading this are just aghast that, you know, the father of our country would be treated that way. Oh, he's giving him an A for effort, you know, come on. You yeah. Know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, you know, the 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 patient died, but the operation was a success. Yeah, much like uh, who who which president was it that got shot? And they said we can maybe pull the bullet out by using a really strong magnet. You know, I can't remember who it was. Something, some literal quack idea, and of course, it didn't work. It has to be like in the twenties or thirties because they didn't have magnets that powerful up till then. Uh, no, no, this was like, uh, no, no, okay, this is the area that I'm kind of conversing with. They, they did have magnets that powerful back in the 1890s, because uh, that's the age of, of Edison and Tesla and a few other folks in Faraday. Yeah, I mean, they did have magnets that powerful, but they also were huge. Yeah, 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 basically they had they had to get him out. They, oh, no, he, he was trying to make a metal detector. That was it. Trouble was they had him on an iron spring bed. Didn't work. <laughs> we got the bullet out, but now the bed springs have impaled him. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, medicine's one yeah. thing. Um, as, as we mentioned before, the smell. We think, you know, oh, they smell bad. No, um, the smell. You go back anywhere, even in places like Rome, you still have the smell because people wore a lot of the, you know, how do they get those, get those robes nice and white? Uric acid. Oh. You know, tanning was done usually with uric acid. Well, yeah. I mean, even then, just with, with, even in Rome, 
a lot of those cities, you just had a lot of unwashed bodies there. Well, even if they were, yeah, even if they were washed, Trav, I mean, things like, you know, the, the things that are uh, organically based, they tend to bind to clothing and stuff like that. So that kind of a smell can build up over time, too, even if you're washing it. Yeah, and deodorant did not exist. So, yeah, so you bathed. You still sweat. You still excrete, you know. Right, exactly. You know, you still smell. From your- deodorant was actually using another smell to cover up the existing smell. Yeah. yeah. And, in fact, deo- in fact, until the advent of uh, of deodorant, which was like 1930s, uh, that was pretty much, you went anywhere, everyone smelled a B.O., and no one complained because it wasn't a problem. Oh, everyone understood. It was expected. Yeah, yeah. So you go back, you know, once you go past the 1930s or, you know, past that, yeah, everyone smells a B.O. and everyone has halitosis. You know, it's like, oh, God. <laughs> which, is, which is why there, you know, there, you know, there wasn't as, well, there wasn't as much kissing. <laughs> oh, no, there's plenty of kissing. I mean, you know, considering how many uh, population growth in the United States at that time, a lot of people were kissing. No French. Cl- uh, no, you don't. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, John, but that's not where the population grows. <laughs> you still got to get close to them to do, to do that. You, you don't have to kiss, okay? Trust me. Things smelled bad. Uh, water was bad, as we talked about. Here's something houses were infested. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Bed bugs, ticks, lice, other oh, yeah. birds, rats. Oh, yeah. You know the old saying, you know, sleep tight, don't let the bed bugs bite. Yeah. My bed has fleas. You brought them with you. They either were straw mattresses. The wealthy could afford could afford feather mattresses, so it means they got fleas instead. Uh, but yeah, the, uh, the 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 average person had had straw mattresses, which meant yeah, that's perfect breeding ground for ants and and ticks and bed bugs yeah. and uh, right. And, and, and even the nicest places had these problems. Yeah, and and beyond. And here's one thing I learned this from I learned this from a show. Up until the advent of cheap light, which is around 1700, uh, basically the sun went down, you went to bed. More or less. I mean, yes, some people, some people would stay up late, but yeah, the sun went down, you went to bed, woke up around 1 or 2 o'clock, put around for an hour, then went, went back to bed and woke up at sunrise. Right. And it's the same way in a lot of, in a lot of Africa. They don't have street lights. I mean, it literally, if you walk outside your house, it's pitch black. Oh yeah, and you and either you carried a lantern or you carried a torch, depending on the yeah. time period. Uh, if you had to go out, you're taking you're taking your your life in your hands because there's people out there who kind of wait for people to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you, you, you just go, if, if you don't have a place to stay, you just try to find a corner and hunker down in and hope that nobody finds you until daybreak. Yep. And it's a lot of times people do. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. It, so, you know, all these pictures of people staying around fires and so forth, that's like the people standing guard. Everyone else is, is you know, has had their meal and gone to bed. Yeah. yeah, who could afford all that wood? Yeah, uh, you know. I mean, if you're in the, if you're in the king's the king's land, that all belongs to him. Yeah, he might even have that new luxury, coal. 
I'll get out of town. Well, the Romans, the Romans mine coal. I know, yeah, I yeah. know. But, but still, it's, it was hard to get, and you had to send kids down for it. <laughs> yeah, they, they didn't have the modern techniques of, um, of strip mining and such. They, those were very dangerous jobs, okay? I mean, I mean if you're a time traveler, okay, you, there's, there's very few things that you can do. Okay, uh, uh, to protect yourself from this sort of thing because they're literally everywhere. As far as I know, the the main way of taking care of infestations of your bedding is the same technique that they use today um, in shelters, in which is they have a hot box, um, a box that they heat up to over like 150 about 150 degrees, and they put their bedding in there, and they put mattresses in there or whatever, and it would kill. It would kill the eggs. It would kill the insects. And so, until you got reinfested, for a while there, your bedding was good, and your and your mattress was comfortable, and you didn't wake up in the middle of the night with something you know pinching you really in a tender spot. And as a time traveler, I mean, unless you, I guess you could bring a sleeping bag that was completely opaque or something, you know, and just climb inside of it. Assuming, of course, that your clothing hadn't already become, um, you know, infested by just walking around, and then and then you could sleep on top of the mattress. You know, make sure you have a, a pillow too, because with your face down there, you're gonna wake up with a rash on the side of your face. You bring a gallon of tropical uh, tropical strength DEET. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and 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 hopefully you don't die from overexposure from that, because that stuff's t- that stuff's powerful. But yeah, you need yeah you would need tropical level because that's pretty much what you're facing, you know you know just good old fashioned deep nah you need something they they use for going into the tropics, <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah and then that that's in there that's one thing and we already talked about the water, and we also talk you know should talk about the the lack of dental care because yeah. someone smiles and ooh. <laughs> Well, I remember looking at these guys that were like natives in South America or someplace like that, and they had like three teeth in their entire mouth. And, and they were like 60 years old. For the Maze World campaign, I researched the Yanomami. I saw some of the stuff they were doing to their teeth to get those perfect smiles. No. They're filing them down and stuff, and they're perfect, and no. Just, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking about you know people in, in in the new world, depending which culture you go to, uh, the Inca the uh, well actually it's the wrong term. Inca is not the right term. Inca is the person in charge of everyone. It's actually a different name for the for the for the kingdom. But yeah, but the Incan culture, they they did uh, uh, head binding, uh, the the reshape the head, and same thing with the Mayans. In fact, you look at some. Okay, yeah. But then they just didn't they do that with the infants? They didn't. They, you're saying they did that with the adults? No, with the infants. Yeah, with the infants. So, so the most extreme cases you look at and you go, is that human? I mean, literally, the Incans were trying. No, no, the Mayans were trying to make the heads look like corn cobs. And that's why a lot of people, when they see some of these bodies, were saying, "Look, aliens." Yeah. Yeah. No. That's no human skull. Yeah. Or yeah, and so you have the you have that, but that usually was amongst the well-to-do. When you got into, the, of course, the the not so well-to-do, they didn't do so much head binding. They may just flatten the skull, like the you know, like the uh, uh, oh, Native American tribe did that also. Uh, the they were called the flatheads, but I can't remember what their 
proper tribe tribal name was. But yeah, it, it's common. It's even common in, your, in 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 the old world too, because you'll go places and you'll find. Oh yeah, we bind heads, bind feet, bind various things just to it's reshape like them. The one African culture where the ladies are wearing the the gold rings around their neck to lengthen their necks, and their necks are as tall as their heads are. I yeah. saw that as a kid. And I was, I'm like, what in the hell? You know, just and and I understand there are different aspects and different standards mm-hmm. of beauty throughout the world. Yep. But I mean, you know, it's There's like a- the peop- the people that you know they'll cut a hole in their lip or in their earlobe, and they'll put a wood disc in, they'll, like, you know, color it with berries for dyeing it. And oh, yeah. big disc in the hole in their lip. Oh, I've seen some, I've seen some guys with some hellacious uh, gauges in their lips and their ears, so oh, yeah. around here. Oh, yeah, body modification. I, um, yeah. at, at my work, well, we had to, he had to take them out in the holes of since closed. But our, our reclass guy, um, Robbie, Oh no, he had some decent sized gauges in his earlobes. Oh, and and, and, and the, yeah, and that that's just our form of like the the neck strengthening or the head binding. That's all it is. Yeah, and I've seen a couple of people with studs. You know, the kind that you actually embed into the skull. Oh. Oh yeah, I mean, you look at it, you say, that's not to poke to the skin. That's actually the literally we're talking a stud about uh, say a quarter inch in size. You know, it's like yeah, well, that's what that's. Things that- what are those things? And actually, my daughter was joking around that she wanted to get them. They're they're like little pointy things that stick out of the skin on the face, and they're spider bites, things like that. And it's just, mm-hmm. and, yeah, and, uh, and tattoos amongst the Maori. They I, had tattoos amongst other cultures. Tattoos. Oh, that's an endurance trial, from what I hear about, because I had another player who researched the Maori, and I'm looking at these tattoos and filming, and I'm like, oh my. God, you know, what they go through to get those facial, and of course the face has a lot of nerve endings in it, and they're just going through this, getting these patterns oh. of dots on them, and it's on their back and shoulders and stuff, and yeah. And there's one yeah. worse, scarification. Yeah. Yeah. Multiple cultures have engaged at one time or another in scarification. Where, and where, imagine all those wonderful looking Maori parents, now imagine them all as scars. Ow. <laughs> Yeah, it's you know at least those can those if you're fringe worthy they can heal. <laughs> well, the thing is with the time travel, yeah, if, if you you have to deal with the differences in beauty and mm. in in how it's perceived in that culture, your yep. sensibilities. You go back in time, your sensibilities are going to be savagely rocked because yep. of things like. Oh, head binding, and in China, the old custom of uh, Chinese foot binding, and mm-hmm. you know, just oh, and, don't, and don't forget, you're going to uh, get an And depending on the culture, some of those guys could could compete in RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> I mean, you look at you look at noble and uh, well-to-do dress in say uh, 16th and 17th century. Oh, no, those guys are you know they're. They're talking lace, lace cuffs and silk this and silk that and pumps and you know all sorts of things and get used to wearing a cod piece. I'm I'm remembering the movie Thank um, to Wong Fu. Thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. When the village, the small town is there, 
and the and Chris Penn's losing his stuff over about oh they're all drag queens. Yeah, the founding fathers weren't like this. And the guy walks by. Yeah, but they had some crazy wigs. <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, there was this one quote I used to, I used to, I used to use. Uh, it was, you know, oh, I, I, I wished for the days back when where you could wear a hose and and silk collars and ruffles around your neck and be a manly man like Sir Francis Drake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, again, languages are going to probably vary from what you thought they were going to be, because whatever you thought it was, it's. It's only like one small area that's actually speaking that, unless you're just going to stay there for the entire time you're there as a time traveler, you're going to find yourself having to at least pick up a couple of local guides to speak the lingo for you. Oh, no, no. I, I explain this to my, my gamers all the time. Language and culture change each other. Heck, mm -hmm. if you were to talk to an American from 50 years ago, and use the terms like the World Wide Web. Someone from 1960 would think, oh my God, 50 years from now, spiders are going to cover the planet. Because our culture and our language have changed each other so drastically that even in 50 years' time, it's this that vastly different. Go, imagine go back 100 years and try to... Most people from 100 years ago wouldn't understand probably about 80% of modern English because of all the idioms due to our culture that we use. Oh, there has been some gr grammatical changes, too. I um, mean, you know, I, I, even, say, back in the 40s when they were using perceived English, was it perceived English? Or, um, it's, it's a way of talking you only hear in the movies from the 40s, and, from the 30s and 40s. It's that staccato rapid, rapid fire type speech and i think it's called perceived english or something like that basically it was, it was an attempt to give everyone the same accent well that, i mean the the there was the accent of chicago standard which is what mm -hmm. the first national newscasters were using and it yep. was all based in chicago and just i'm like i've heard the chicago accent i have friends dementia friends of mine in chicago you know, the, the Bears, you know, that this type of act, you know, like Elwood Blues, you know, yeah. we're on a mission with God. And I'm trying to imagine Anchorman trying to do that. And I'm just like, no, no. But yeah, yeah the, like the whole, wait a minute, the staccato, kind of like um, Joe Friday, the original, not yeah. Dan Aykroyd's, but Jack Parr. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah. That, Yes, ma'am. Just the fact. Jack Webb. Yeah, Jack Webb. Jack yeah. Parr. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. Sorry, folks. Well, no. I mean, Jack Parr. I mean, that, that's uh, wasn't he the paladin? No, he was a he was a he was a late night movie, TV uh, TV host. Jack Parr was Johnny Carson's predecessor. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I I know that there was a guy named Parr. Who's the guy that was paladin? Have gun will travel. Oh, oh yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Jack Palance. Yeah, it was Jack Pound. Yeah, no, he was Shane and Curly from uh, City Slickers. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but you know, if you want an example, what is, what, what what did Shakespeare sound like in the original? There's a, there's a couple of videos of, <laughs> uh, of, of 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 doing it in the original in the in the original uh, English, so to speak. And yes, it does sound a bit Appalachian. 
Uh, yeah. John, John, you all know you haven't heard Shakespeare until you've heard it in the original Klingon. Come on now. <laughs> no, not until you heard the original <laughs> Elvish. Oh, thank yeah. you. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The original Anthropithecan. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, Elizabethan English <laughs> is very different, and we use these and thous wrong. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, in fact, we're pronouncing it wrong. In many cases, it's you, even though it's spelled like thou. In yeah, many cases, it's oh. pronounced you. Oh, I hated that <laughs> like class. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, and 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 they were able to reconstruct it based on the rhymes Shakespeare used in his in his various poems, and that he used in his in his plays. He did a lot of rhyming stuff, but you look at it now, so that doesn't rhyme. It doesn't Elizabethan in, English. in Middle English back in whenever. Yeah. Yeah, and, and English is and English has changed. I mean, grammatically, Elizabethan English is. Still shows yeah. some of his Germanic, Germanic roots. Well, English that. is the ultimate pigeon language. What's that one T-shirt that my former name? English does doesn't borrow from other languages. It takes languages back in the alley, beats them up, and shakes them down for loose grammar. Yeah, or vocabulary. Or I love the yeah, one. Right, I, I have that shirt. Our culture changes our language, and a culture changing over hundreds of years. Yeah. Oh yeah. If we were to go back in time to the Renaissance era, yeah, we, they wouldn't understand eighty to ninety percent of what we say. Yeah, and they correct you on your Latin pronunciation, so you try to use Latin. You know, yeah, okay. because hide a vulgar. Yeah, I remember you mentioned that Latin changed like that. Yeah. Oh yeah, and and you know, and I, I actually I love the one from H. Bean Piper. English is a result of Norman warriors trying to get dates with Saxon barmaids. <laughs> nice. nice. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, but yeah, English is in English has a little Gaelic in it, a little Celtic in it. It has mostly German, it's a Germanic language, but then it has French, it has it's some Norse. words from all over the place. Come on. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the ultimate pigeon language. Officially, it has about 300,000 words unofficially. <laughs> Over a million. Oh, easily. Yeah, imagine you're an alien race and say we're going to pick the we're going to pick the most commonly spoken language. It'll be a it'll be a breeze to learn how to speak it. <laughs> Dude, uh, <laughs> the three hardest languages on this planet to learn are English, Gaelic, and Chinese. Uh, Mandarin. Yeah. Okay, that specific dialect. But those yeah. are the three hardest languages to learn. When I yep. was working at a community college, I had to get, I was a proctor at a testing center. So I had well, to hand out a lot of ESL tests. And yeah, it was, they, they would come to me and, you know, they knew I was a native. I, I spoke English as a first language. And they would ask me about the you, you know, the your and your and the two, two and two and dear and dear. And this whole hot, and just threw them off. And I'm trying to explain to these people. And I mean, we're talking like after the test and they're just, you know, idle chatter. And it was blowing their minds just because it's like, how do you handle this? And just, yeah. English I read is the three hardest languages to learn in the world. I read the red book readily. Yeah. 
you know, or there's even worse ones, that, you know, especially with there's the wonderful sentence. I can't remember what it is that use all the variations of there. <laughs> yeah. And then the I before never use I before E except after C and then all these words that prove that wrong. Yeah. Well, they're French. But but still, it just with with language going back in time. I think that would be one of your biggest problems. Is just even if you speak "quote unquote" the same language, no, this you don't. Is, this is where my background in anthropology comes into play. Yes and no. There are some African languages, as best as we can tell, really only mildly changed over the past thousand years. Well, it's you, probably because their cultures have been minimally affected. Yeah. Despite yeah. massive colonization and yeah. wars and migration, they've somehow managed to keep their act together on that. Yeah. And it might also be the fact that every time they got conquered, they said, you have to learn this other language. We're not going to learn your language. Yeah. And so they, they, they managed to keep their language separate. Yeah. Even, even, even the Mandarin, even the various Chinese dialects, you would be on, if you were trying to speak Mandarin back to the first emperor, he wouldn't understand you because many of you didn't speak Mandarin, but, uh, cause Mandarin actually is a, is a later addition to the language. He actually so made I was going to say, I thought Mandarin was like the official, like courtly language of China. Yeah. But that came around, oh, say, uh, so about half a, half a millennium later. They were, yeah, yeah. So don't pick the wrong period. Yeah, <laughs> to visit. Oh yeah, I mean even even Japanese has grown because Japanese got a lot of borrowing. I mean, especially the uh, borrowing from from both Korea and China, and a lot of words and so forth. I mean, it, 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 Japanese is a bit of a language isolate, but not too well, much. Yeah. You know, it, it they have a lot of borrowing from other cultures, but yeah, it, even even but even Basque has changed. Well, uh, Japanese has even borrowed from us. There is a term for your typical middle management kind of executive, and the term is sororimon. Yep. It's the Japanese, I guess, bastardization of the word salaryman. Yep. And they, and they, they, it's they drink beer. Uh, you know, they, and they have a beer. Yeah. Actually, it would be beer because the U isn't actually pronounced. But it's spelled biru, but it's actually pronounced beer. <laughs> All right. So moving on to wealth. Okay. I mean, uh, it's it's really hard to have, you know, money that you can use, you know, that's going to work for you. Okay. Because... I mean, you know, first of all, is that money in most of history was minted, uh, you know, by a local lord, and therefore you had to have his money in order to do anything. So, and of course, you can't bring prop, you can't bring like land with you back in time. So you basically end up in the same situation as we did with our long live person, and that is, is that you probably end up having valuable metals that you trade for things, but they can't be too valuable because if they are, then nobody's going to be able to essentially make change. Yeah, and that's mostly a European Middle Eastern thing. You go into Africa, their land is the wealth. And cattle is the wealth, and gold is great for jewelry. And you go to China, when, gold is yeah. the. Go ahead. When I 
and you're gonna real and folks, you're really gonna be dialing the wayback machine on this one. Yeah. My, the episode that I did on uh, what was it? Uh, going to a 12th century African world when mm-hmm. the Europeans went to Timbuktu. When they found that city there, and I believe Mali is the country that Timbuktu is in, they're finding gold everywhere. It's used as decoration. They got dogs with collars made of gold walking around. And, of course, the Europeans are losing their damn minds because gold everywhere. Acres and acres of gold. And the Timbuktu and the Mali, you know, the Timbuktu citizens are like, yeah, it's everywhere. It's like rocks. Your point yeah. And it, in fact, paper money is something that the Chinese invented around 11th, 11th century, I think. So they actually had paper money. You know, it was used primarily initially for uh, re- for uh, funerary and certain religious rites, but it started catching on. Yeah. yeah. The emperor had all the gold and everyone else had paper money. Now, some of those samples exist. And if you pick the right period, you might be able to counterfeit some of it because basically they're – any kind of thing procedures were actually the hardest thing would be actually reproducing the paper. Yeah. You, you would have to figure out how did they make the paper? <sighs> yeah. But all those co- uh, countries still had some form of metal species. So, I mean, silver is probably your go-to. And the good thing about it is, is that is that it doesn't take that much money in order to be able to live well. If you go into the past. I mean, one thing you could probably do if you're if you're good at it is uh, say say you're going back to Rome. Okay, I'm gonna bring a bunch of slugs, silver slugs and gold slugs, and then I will trade something to get some coins. I brought along a, a mint, a little casting kit. I'm gonna make a mold and make a little mint and start ching ching making my own gold coins. And the thing is, though, you have to understand, you have to know what the con- gold content was back then. Because if you're using 24 karat gold, no, no, you don't want to use 24 karat. You want to use 12 karat gold. But yeah, a lot in some countries, it's a gold coin. Seawater has more, more gold than that gold coin did. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Well, and a modern, if you are a technological, like you know, you're a time traveler. Um, uh, I know that at least in a couple of stories, the people from the future uh, uh, brought the equipment for doing metal plating. And so they were able to take things like lead and cover them with a thin sheet, a thin layer of gold or silver or whatever, and pass that off as the real thing. Oh, yeah. It depends on how ethical you are. But then again, you're probably not doing something that someone else isn't already doing back then, too. If you're a time traveler, you can't be that ethical, okay? Because no matter, because you're, you no doubt live a life of, of, of complete immorality by the standards of the people that you're visiting. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in fact, we, you know, I, I'm going to hark back to the language thing because we're figuring going back in the past. There's also going to the future, and languages change. And if you go far enough into the future, you may find yourself uh, hoping they have translators because you don't understand a word they say. <laughs> you know, basically, languages are going to be the main sticking point for folks. You're not you're going to have to learn language, learn a language. And if you're like me, that's going to be like pulling teeth. Yeah, I'm really bad at learning languages. You know, I, I know enough German to order a beer and a, and a Big Mac. <laughs> You know, and that's about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so yeah, if you're not, if you're not, if you're a time traveler, yeah, you know, take, take you know, you, depending on the game system, take linguist as a, as an advantage. 
<laughs> yes, and take lots of silver chains. Yeah, silver chains. Because you can you can give them to to uh, your intended to get you know to perhaps perhaps get uh, some favors and uh, it's jewelry so it doesn't fall into some of these issues about how much gold or whatever you can have and it's it's valuable enough that you know you can uh, you can translate it easily because people will be willing to take it in trade because you know you walk in with like a like a, a gold coin and half the people are like what am I the mayor you know I can't cash that well if you want getting good with the nobility, Instead of bringing gold or silver, go to your local grocery store and buy some peppercorns, buy some Himalayan salt, buy some cloves, buy some allspice, all you know, all, all in the seed form, not ground. And you just now have enough there to buy a small a small castle for twenty bucks or fifty or forty bucks. You need a, a big lord to sell you that castle. No, but you can do it out in small amounts, you know. So yes, you got the big jar of peppercorns. Oh yeah, you know, well, you you put them in a little, you you parcel out in little parcels, and you know, and hey, that's enough there to get you, uh, you know, get you a night and get you a week in an inn. The guy's going, thank you for the peppercorns. I'll treasure these, you know. Yeah, I can see it. You walk up, you got money. He says, no, but I got this, and you put down a couple of peppercorns, and he's like, welcome, sir. <laughs> Just be honest, as we mentioned, the things that are rare are the things that are worth money. Yeah, and they're easily portable and they're cheap to buy in the modern day. You know, so yeah. Right. Well, yeah, this is where it's advantage of going from the, you know, the into the past is that you will have all those things, you know, versus a, a, a long life person who still only has what's available locally, no matter where he goes. And you can take advantage of the differences in exchange. You know, okay, if I, you know, you know look, I can get a bunch of uh, American dollars from, say, the 1890s and duplicate them. You know, it's it's a simple process. I mean, you know, I can easily counterfeit money from the 20th, from the 1980, from the 1890s. Then I go back and at $20 an ounce, I buy gold. <laughs> and then come back to the present and I have me, you know, may, I might have several million dollars in gold. <laughs> Oh no! Playing that game with time travel. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean the cur- the currency exchange, the difference in values. I mean up until everyone started going to fiat currency, gold was more or less twenty dollars an ounce, relative it's speaking. It's like what now? Three hundred dollars an ounce, I think. No. Six hundred. Oh really? Oh yes. Okay. No, three thousand. No, it's not. What is the current rate for one ounce of gold? Thirteen hundred. Yeah. Third information for how much is an ounce of gold, according to jmbullion.com. So if gold is quoted at one thousand three hundred twenty dollars per ounce, how much gold can I get for that price? Spot gold prices are quoted as the price of one troy ounce of point nine nine. Okay. Okay. Anyways, the point is, is that so you know when uh, you know it's it's not three thousand. <laughs> that was that was way outside the range, but still, it's worth a lot. Sure. Oh yeah, it's worth a lot, and you know it's one of those things where you can and you want to make sure you don't get too greedy because if you bring too much gold up, you flood can, the yeah, market. Yeah, you flood yeah, the yeah. market. Yeah, but but I just wanted one to understand that you know when people were able to start buying gold again, okay, it was being sold for about six hundred. So now 
20, 40, more like 40 years later, it's twice as valuable as it was then. That's not, you, you know, if you put that same amount of money into the stock market, you'd have a lot more money now. So it's a very safe thing. It will always increase in value, but it doesn't necessarily, you know, from a historical standpoint, you know, you don't have to use these huge jumps. Yeah. I mean, it basically it went from 2008 from around about thousand about a thousand dollars an ounce to a high in 20 in 2011 of 1800 and then it sort of dropped down after that so you know yeah that's always going to happen i mean there's always going to be ups and downs on anything like that yeah sure i mean there was a time when somebody tried to corner the uh silver market and the money and it, and it went like through the roof and then he, but he failed to do so and then of course it was all worthless after that. now we did talk about this in a previous episode but yeah there is also temptation of going back uh, you know, and giving, you know, so-and-so, you know, giving George Washington a, you know, a shot of time-delayed antibiotics or something like that, or going or, or sneaking into the, uh, into the uh, theater and stopping John Wilkes Booth of changing time, changing the events. Or, yeah, or the ever-popular smothering Hitler in his crib, you know, things like that. Yeah, just... No, uh, no, no, I wouldn't do that. I'd give him a scholarship, for, an art scholarship. Well, it's true. You don't need to. You don't need to kill him. Just changes, quote unquote, career path. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was a failed artist, and if you can give him an art scholarship, yeah, you, you may be a middling artist then. It's like, like, like Fidel Castro. What What does that have to do with what we're talking about? Though? Well, we're talking about going back in time because there's always that temptation of. No, no, we're talking about how it's going back in time has the same issues. Oh, um, as being long live, John. That's true. Yeah, you go. Yeah, but it's it's just in reverse sometimes. Or well, or let, well, let's see. Um, if you time travel, you're traveling to different points in a person's life. You haven't aged. They have the. Yep. Um, there was the Doctor Who spinoff, the Sarah Jane Adventures, where. The 11th Doctor was in that episode, and it was Sarah Jane and Joan. And 11 had said, well, look at the last time I saw you. You were 20. You look like now you've been baked. And she was like in her 50s or whatever, and just, yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you see these people, and it's like if you travel 40 years into their future, you haven't aged a day yet this person has gone through their entire life. And like, and like our favorite time traveler, Dr. Who, and I will say this spoilers, dears, uh, river song. We, we, someone actually sat down and decided to piece together in chronological order for her, her encounters with the doctor. Oh yeah. You know? So yeah, it was like, you know, the, 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 Second, the last meeting was 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 you know was there was basically when he got to spend time with her, and then meeting up with him for the for him for him the first time for her. Oh yeah, you know, and that was her end. And it was like, oh, yeah, we so, start, we, oh yeah, yeah. We, we start with her. We start with her ending, and we come to learn everything about her through the series, but not in chrono chronological order. The rumor is is that she also was one of these long lived people too. She's been she, she you know. So it's hard to tell when you have a time traveler. 
when you live in a far future, you, you expect to have geriatric services. So, yes, I would expect her to be long live. Was a Time Lord, which means generally nope. they are long lived. Yes, she had the Time Lord DNA. Yeah. Conceived in the Time Vortex in the TARDIS. Regardless, I'm just saying, anybody who's living in the far future, unless they're living in a uh, a world that has a, a crashed and or it's a uh, you know uh, a, 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 where things have gotten worse rather than better, you would expect them to have better light longevity. You know, just because do their modern science right. But yes, the, you're right, John. The whole th traveling through time, if you don't just do one travel to time, but you like hop around in time, you will be experiencing a lot of the same issues as far as how people accept you, the fact that you can't, you have to keep moving because people are going to go and say, hey, wait a second, you know, I, I remember you and why haven't you changed? You're a demon, aren't you? That sort of thing happens, sure. Yeah, and, you know, and there's always that temptation to go back and visit yourself. I mean, I mean, there would be things I would try. I would, I would want to tell myself and go, do I want to do that? Why would you listen to you, John? I wouldn't. I'd be some strange, old, bald, old fart trying to tell me something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you want to go back in time in your own body. Basically, you want to usurp your previous self <laughs> and, and, and be able to do that. That's what you really want. <laughs> All right, well, my last point here is weapons. Okay, so the best weapons are going to be anachronistic because they're going to be made with futuristic t things. I mean, you're going to have an advantage, you know, because your weapons will be, should be better than the ones that they have back then, with a couple of exceptions, all that folded steel swords and stuff. Oh, this is not necessarily, this is not necessarily time travel. The Jim Caviezel movie Outlander, where he was somebody from outer space and Earth was one of their forgotten colonies and he crash lands during the Norse period. And he managed to grab some metal from his submerged spaceship and forge this sword. It looked like typical swords of the era. There were like nine swords hanging from the ceiling in this forge. He slices through all of them. Oh, yeah. Oh, because yes. it's just superior alloys, yeah. Right, well, just making it out of um, titanium. I mean, that, which is not necessarily the best sword, but, I mean, it's harder than all the other swords, so it would be basically, this is sword breaker. <laughs> this is shield breaker. That's what I do with this thing. And I can see it. You know, if you want to mesh in, yeah, you 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 uh, use modern metallurgy to make yourself a, a one one. Uh, kick butt sword and then you lose it and then you when you get back home you go to the museum and there it is <laughs> now of course the person who's long lived is going to have the all the opposite problem he's always going to be playing catch-up on um, on the tech you know on the technology unless of course he gets one of those really legendary type weapons like the folded steel swords or something that's made out of sky metal and it has you know it's it's just it's it's actually a lump of titanium or something. If you know, he's going to have that that problem. He's not going to have that advantage that the time travelers do. But at the same time, is it you know the time traveler is is always going to have a weapon that somebody wants to take away from him. 
Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, John, there was a book, and I think you may have mentioned, I, I asked you about this before and you answered it. There was a book out years ago that they rated weapons all throughout history. And they basically said that a firearm is 100 times more deadlier than a sword. I think it's called the MOAB scale, M-O-A-B, or MOAB scale, that so, rates the... Yeah, not the, not, not, not the MOAB scale. MOAB scale is about hardness. But... Uh, uh, there, no, not there's MOH. No, no, no. It was like uh, MOAB, like MOAB or something. Yeah, basically, it's force multiplying. It's, it's when it comes yeah. down to it. A, a a a a rifle with you know even with just a pistol with six shots in it is six times better. You can fire it faster than a person uh, with with a bow could. Uh, well, yeah, far off, far off the same number of bolts. That they, that would be something that would time trials would deal with. You walk back. And you have a revolver, mm-hmm. and you were during the time of when you know Britain had their legendary archers. Still, yeah, I mean, you could fire off that one shot before he can knock an arrow. Yeah. Well, not only that, but you know, a shield could stop an arrow, but a bullet's going to go right through that shield. The whole reason why the armored knight went out of vogue is once gunpowder was developed. Oh, definitely. It also happened because of the longbow for the same reason. It, it happened more because they actually had a better, they, they could train uh, average Joes to do out and do war instead of having these highly trained, highly expensive knights. Right. It really- takes, anybody can pick up a gun, you teach them, okay, you put the, the bullet and the power in, you, you pack it down with the thing, pull it business end at the person you want to kill and pull the trigger, you know? Yeah, yeah. It was a combination of things. This is, there wasn't one reason why armor went out, went out of style. It's just, it, it was more of the democratization of being able to kill people at distance is more or less. Yeah. The- and, and once it became clear that, you know, uh, the armor wasn't doing that much, then nobody liked wearing all that armor unless, of course, it really protected them. So as soon as it became questionable whether it was actually going to keep them alive, they're like, I'd rather be agile. Let me just get rid of this. I'll run, that way I can dodge around and stuff. Go in for a buckler or maybe two swords or, you know, with a, with a, with a, a, a gun built into the hilt of the sword. Now, one word of advice, though, if you do go back in time and you decide to bring body armor, bring uh, with with uh, ceramic inserts. Because, unfortunately, Kevlar, much like chainmail, is a bunch of holes to a bodkin point. Well, no, no. Kevlar is great against bullets. Now, having... Yeah. I, I went to school for criminal justice years ago, and I learned this. Kevlar is great for bullets. Sucks against knives. Yeah. You can get stabbed in a bulletproof vest very easily... Because it's oh, yeah. not meant to withstand yeah. knife blades or knife yeah. points. Yeah, and the bodkin point is a sharp, tiny, it's sharpened to a point. And it's, it was designed to apply the maximum amount of pressure or impact on, on plate armor. So, yeah, you basically you want to have those ceramic inserts in your armor. Otherwise, aha, bang, 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 sunk, sunk, sunk. Oh, and you Well, you could, do that, that, that tool. you could do that at a bend point. You don't need to, I mean, you, because you had to be able to move at the waist and at the elbows, you just sticking in a bend point there, and it's going to do damage. Oh yeah, I mean, and don't think that you can outrun the guy in full plate armor. There was a wonderful video out recently where the guy in full plate armor 
outran a guy in modern day armor and I outran a guy and outran a firefighter. I mean, he was wearing period correct armor and it's it, the difference is, is that the weight's all over your body instead of on, instead of on your back. Yeah. Or, or upper body. So yeah. So it may have weight. It may, it, and, and the weights were, and the thing was the weights were all the same for all three guys. In fact, it was the same guy. He was wearing different things each time. So ah. it was, a, it was an honest test and it was, everything was, was within a few kilograms of each other. It's, in Europe, and uh, you know, and and you know, and it basically, he blazed through the course. And we're talking, we're talking in one of the assault courses where you got climb over things and crawl under things. Yeah, it, it was it was broken ground course. Yeah, yeah, and he was faster by a few seconds than everyone else. So yeah, don't think you can outrun the guy in the plate armor. He can outrun you. <laughs> well, if I'm if I'm loaded down like those guys, no. But if I don't, if he's wearing plate armor and I'm not, I think I can outrun him. That then goes the other side. So, did you have you trained for marathon running? Have you trained for this? Because he probably has in in his own way of you know being a being a warrior. So now you have, yeah. So you, you six and one half dozen the other. You know, yeah, I can outrun him. Yeah, the truth of the matter is, if you go back in time, you better be in an excellent condition because they just did a lot more physically than 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 we do today. Modern day people, the rules that they make tend to be. We're a little more cerebral. We get bonuses on skills and whatnot, but people from earlier time periods tend to be just more physically... Yeah. Not, well, fit and robust, yeah, I mean, yeah, they suffered from diseases more, but because the jobs and their lifestyle was just that more active physically, that came easier to them. And they would look at us today and they go... God, there's no meat on your bones. You're frail. You you don't, you know. Yeah, I would give them a bump in both strength and constitution, which is a problem in D20 because those are considered extremely valuable in the system. And 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 so as a result, it would be a, a there would they be they'd be like smacking you up with all kinds of negative you know uh, conditions to try to compensate for it. That's one of the problems with the D20 system. Though I do like it. They had Earth humans where they gave all these bonuses to skills and Rogue was the favored class because of just the technical aspect and the skill-based demeanor of the Rogue class, even in 3.5. And that, that's where I noticed that they did the differentiation between modern-day Earth humans and those from a quote-unquote pseudo-medieval society such as one you'd find in a D&D game. And like I said, even even the fit the I'm not talking bodybuilders, but the average fittest person, they would go poke poke poke. You're kind of fat, especially if they're from America. Poke poke poke. You're a lot. You must be wealthy. You're wealthy because you're fat. Yeah, yeah they, actually, yeah, yeah. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Uh, of course, the other cultures they go. You're not fat enough. <laughs> You know, so if you, yeah, eat, thing. you look sick, eat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> eat, eat. You you go waste away. Don't you like my cooking? Trav, you did mention one thing though that you're gonna have to do before you go back in time. And we're talking back in time, say just even fifty years. You think going to a to a, to another country and all the vaccinations you need to get was bad? Think about going back two hundred years. <laughs> The vaccinations you would need. Oh, oh, that's right. We totally or diseases have... that don't exist anymore because we eradicated yeah. 
or at least gotten to the point where we don't worry about. Yeah, that. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, there's stuff that we don't we don't have immunities. We don't need them because they've been totally killed off these diseases. <laughs> oh, we'd go back there. Oh, ugh. oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, what's wrong with him? Oh, he's just got a bad case of bubonic plague. <laughs> or what? Or what's the one? He's got the consumption. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah, no! I remember getting a TB test when I was very, very young. I think it was my exam to get into junior high school. So this was like '84, and yeah. the, that four little prong poke in my arm. And of course, you know, didn't they don't tell you? It's like ow, and they tell you. If that swells up, you have TB. That was the most noticed part of my body for two days. I'm looking at it, just walking down the street, looking at it, going, please don't swell up. Please don't swell up. No. Because in the, in the mid-'80s, they were, I don't know if they test for it today in, like, exams to get into, like, junior high or whatever. But, yeah, that was 84 when I got that test. Now, there, there is a benefit from being from from actually having diseases that have become more resistant to uh, antibiotics. We now have antibiotics. or look at the diseases back then. And go, <laughs> yeah, right, you're gone. Yeah, you know, so you take you know just take a nice complete uh, like like three three sets of uh, various antibiotics, and you should be okay. If you catch something, start taking the reg- regimen, and you'll probably just kill it. Yeah, complete it, and you'll wipe it out. You, you know, yeah, it, right, because I'm going to have the, the, the seven-day pack of Zithromax with me. Yeah, 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 because yeah. the modern-day antibiotics are far more powerful than, say, penicillin well, was. Yeah. Well, no, what, it, what, what was it that Rich called them? Nuclear-grade antibiotics? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Well, yeah. That's what he was. Yeah, there was one time he got flu, and he that was the term he used with me. He said, yeah, Trav, they pumped me full of nuclear-grade antibiotics, and I'm like, I am borrowing that term. You realize, it's like, go ahead, just waved it off, like, yeah, go ahead, do it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, 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 yeah. So at least you don't, have to, you know. I would say you get vaccinated. You go through the, you, everything you can get. Like, it's like you're going to a third world country. That kind, that level of yeah, vaccination. There you go. Exactly. Just oh, sure you would. Yeah, absolutely. and then you carry along plenty of antibiotics for the things they don't have vaccinations for. You know, because you, yeah, you know, yeah, and and that's something you have to you know worry about now. As we said, with Fringeworthy, uh, yeah, you you yeah, get something, yeah. run to the portal. You're clean. Yeah. You'll still be sick because your body's still recovering from it, but at least you won't die from you won't right. get worse. It doesn't keep you from coming down with that super um, uh, poison ivy, you know? yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Toxic. Yeah. So take take along a lot of uh, stuff like that just for neutralizing. Nuclear. That yeah. Nuclear grade calamine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and but the- all right, well, we got to finish up here, guys. So, um, thanks everybody for uh, being with us. We hope we've covered all the things having to do with uh, the the uh, I don't know the 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 uh, traveler's uh, guide to healthful time travel and what to expect and why time traveling might not be the the fun vacation you think it might you might have wanted it to be. And uh, why living a long time, you know, it has to be its own reward because you just don't actually get to carry a whole lot of, 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 uh, of you don't get wealthy be, by, by living a long time unless you're really, really lucky. We, uh, we hope you uh, liked what we said. And if you don't, please 
you know, post a comment on our Facebook or our uh, TriTechGamers.com site or Google Plus or uh, even over at um, oh, uh, I, iTunes and, and leave us a, uh, a review. And, uh, and of course, you can always leave a, a, any kind of a comment on our TriTechSystems.Podbean.com site where you get this lovely uh, uh, podcast from. So, anyways, we hope you enjoyed it. We certainly enjoyed doing it, and we'll have more for you next week. But So, until then, this is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. This is Richard Tahoka. Wait till you see what's coming next. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at Tri-Tech Games. And if you don't, we'll be having your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.